The way we consume and share news today, it is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. For the hottest issues and trends, our daily social media minute, we're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Oh no, your voice still. I can I, I can hear. Yeah. Um I've always been an alto, but this is like a whole like <laughs> Whole, whole level lower. All right, Erica, let's jump into some of these buzzwords. Enough about my illness. <laughs> so it's interesting because you would think that fighting for what is politically correct is pretty straightforward, but not all the times. Now, get this a skirt wearing fire exit sign. Hmm. Stirring up a debate. I uh, I literally LOL'd. Uh, <laughs> I uh, came across the title of the news uh, uh, yesterday. So uh, let's go over what happened exactly. So it was last Friday uh, when some local media uh, outlets reported that the Ministry of Interior and Safety was reviewing whether to revamp the design of the universal emergency exit sign, uh, which, you know, as everybody knows, it depicts a generic image of a person exiting a door. So South Koreans and, uh, you know, social media were buzzing over the weekend uh, over a rumor that the government is currently mulling a fire exit design that shows a long-haired woman wearing a skirt uh, as a supposedly politically correct move. Now, the rumor was eventually debunked after government officials denied it in a joint statement. However, it did cause a whole lot of discussion and uh, criticisms on uh, the the social media sphere over the weekend. I feel like there's a lot to be said there about mm-hmm. just fake news penetrating through social media all too quickly. Yeah. But before we even go into that, let's talk about the image. As you mentioned, Erica, if you look at the mock-up or the supposed mock-up, uh-huh. the generic image of a person is exiting a door, <laughs> it has been altered to have a protruding chest, long hair, wearing a skirt, still trying to point to the exit. As you can imagine, if if this were to be true and we were using valuable taxpayers' money to take mm-hmm. apart fire exits that are sufficient mm-hmm. at doing its job, pointing to the fire exit and thinking that this is possibly PC is is a little bit archaic and backwards and kind of silly. Yes, and that is exactly what people have uh, pointed out to on social media. Um, You know, comments have included things like uh, the emergency exit sign is not specifically male, but a universal human figure. Uh, Somebody else wrote, whoever came up with the idea is thinking women equals skirts, which is incredibly regressive. (laughs) Uh, Somebody else wrote, the pictogram seems more like a caricature of women. (laughs) And one representative from a woman's organization uh, was quoted by a local newspaper as saying, some of the news articles claimed that women's groups had requested for this change, 
But where are these groups? Mm -hmm. uh, the narrative is so absurd. It's almost like an urban legend. The pictogram only reinforces gender stereotypes. I mean, seriously, I mean, the, the mock-up itself is just so ridiculous, right? It's almost as if somebody was trying to stir up this controversy as a joke on purpose. Huh. I think you should always question why was this image mocked up in the first place? Because it turns out, according to the Interior Ministry, they never had such a plan. You know, the ministry, as well as the, the National Fire Agency, released a joint statement, in fact, after all this controversy. Um, and they explained that the rumors were completely false and that no such discussion had even taken place. <laughs> Officials said that the rumor design was not made by the government. And it also said that even if the longstanding universal design were to be changed, it would be applied on the newly installed emergency exits instead of replacing the existing ones. So it wouldn't be a waste of taxpayers' money. Nevertheless, uh, it seems highly unlikely that we're going to see uh, a changed, um, you know, pictogram anytime in the near future. I hope never. Uh, thank goodness, because for a second, I was like, that's a really horrible headline. Really? Right. Really? 2024. It's a brand new year. And I'd I expect know. definitely more of this year. Right. All right. Let's put that crazy discussion to rest. <laughs> Moving on to an important conversation on infertility. So we talk about it pretty regularly. I mean, mm -hmm. more men and women decide to get married later, um, but some still want the option to have children. And so they have to have discussions on pregnancy plans. And these days, there seems to be more information on, for example, infertility treatments online. That's right. So I found the story to be really interesting. And, uh, you know, it shows what people are actually watching and for what purpose uh, is what I wanted to talk about this morning. So it looks like an increasing number of unmarried women in their 20s uh, who have no immediate plans to have a baby are actually turning to YouTube channels uh, that show stories of everyday women, you know, overcoming issues like infertility and even miscarriages, mm. uh, as, a, as well as their real-life experiences involving IVF and egg freezing. Mm. Now, traditionally, uh, the audience for these types of content uh, was limited to married women who <sighs> are preparing uh, to have babies, you know, but uh, things are changing. And it's important because I think the more prepared you are, I don't think you could ever be thoroughly prepared, but it's better to start off with more information. Mm -hmm. And I think some of these topics were even maybe taboo for unmarried women, infertility, or how actually common miscarriages are. Yep. Over the weekend, I went back and watched the Harry and Meghan documentary. And in mm -hmm. one, of, one of the many interviews, Meghan Markle gets very, very emotional about, about her own miscarriage. And she talks about this op-ed she wrote on the New York Times called The Losses We Share. And it's an emotional trip, what women go through, both married and not married. Yeah. And when they go through what's unexpected, a miscarriage, they think mm -hmm. it happens to everyone else but me. I know. And uh, where would you go right. to, to, to ask, you know, or, mm. yeah, information about these types 
kinds of things that happen mm. uh, more than we realize, actually, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a sensitive topic. And uh, I don't know, for, for, for young people like, you know, women in their 20s who might still be single or married, but are not having to have babies anytime soon, you know, their friends are probably, you know, going through the same thing, like uh, they're not planning to have babies or they're single. So it, it's... It would be really difficult to get information, like important information on such topics. But that's why uh, YouTube channels that do share such real life experiences are turning out to be really valuable for young women these days. Uh, so these young women are searching for information on how to cope with potential infertility and uh, various health concerns related to pregnancy and giving birth. And uh, these personal challenge offer a really honest look into the journey of, you know, what it's like to go through infertility and uh, the, the stuff that we see on TV dramas or variety shows, they're more scripted narratives. Mm. So they're a little bit removed from the reality of things, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. And to yeah. normalize these conversations to let both men and women know that you can talk about it and there's a safe space for mm -hmm. it. I, I think it's one of the positive takeaways of yeah information online. Where do we That's ever right. give credit where it's due? <laughs> yep. So if you type in uh, things like miscarriage experience on YouTube, it would give you titles like my year of miscarriages or my first pregnancy and miscarriage, uh, things like that. So these videos not only share personal uh, stories, but they also provide practical advice. I think that's why so many women mm -hmm. are watching these types of content. Uh, content about IVF and artificial insemination experiences are also proving to be really popular these days. Mm. All right, uh, let's move on to our final buzzword of the day. Surfer sculptures and mm -hmm. coastal murals got our attention this morning. That's right. So, um, you know, if you think of a, a post office building, you know, nothing would really stand out, right? No. It's just red brick or just really just stone building. Nothing really <laughs> special, right? Uh, with the, the post office sign in the front, that would be about it. But uh, it looks like a lot of these provincial post offices mm -hmm. uh, have been reborn with completely new looks. Uh, and it's part of uh, this nationwide renovation project uh, for old post offices. And I think it's it's so great because, um, you know, it, it shows the, you know, uh, for example, let me give you like specific examples okay. like uh, post office in Yangyang in Kaono province. We know that Yangyang is famous for uh, its surfing community. It's known as the, the surfing mecca of South Korea. Mm. So the newly po designed post office in Yangyang features a wall art. It shows surfers riding waves and sculptures that <laughs> seem to sort of like dive into the building. Mm. It's very 3D and it's definitely fit for a town dubbed the surfing mecca of Korea. Um, uh, in Yeosu, in Cholanamdo province, uh, the Pongsandong post office features a mural that depicts the, the Yeosu Sea. Mm. And over in Songdo post office in Busan, that they reopened recently, back in November, I think a couple of months ago, with a design, a brand new design that is reminiscent of a beachside cafe. Mm. 
the Pungyang Post Office in Cholanam province displays sculptures of local specialty, specialties like uh, yuta or yuzu, mm. citron, and characters from the Naro Space Center uh, in Cheongseon in Gangwon the province. The Imge Post Office has apple-shaped sculptures that uh, sort of glow in the dark wow. uh, at night because the region is known, famed for its apples, things like this. You yeah, can, I think it's amazing. You can turn post offices into post offices <laughs> into yeah. photo ops. It's kind of amazing. They're turning these four hundred aging post offices and giving yeah. it kind of a spruce up, <laughs> a makeover, uh, if you will. This so, is so um, fun. I know, right? So last year, around seventy-six million dollars were invested uh, to start the reconstruction of fifty post offices mm -hmm. around the country, and uh, some of the ones we just mentioned reopened uh, in the month of November, and some in the month of December. Our listener Aaron said, "Our post office build. Oh my goodness, I can't even talk. Our post <laughs> office buildings are so boring compared to this. Hey, this is no. brand new for us too, and it's such a simple." Yep idea i think exactly and the fact that they reflect uh, local culture and specialties mm. they're attracting tourists even like you said uh, they're, they're becoming photo ops for you know visitors who happen to be passing by or purposely uh, visit these uh, post offices just to you know check it out for fun all right sounds like great fun thank you so much erica for today's coverage <laughs> i'll see you tomorrow see you tomorrow if you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.